the Tag Digital Squadcast. Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Squadcast, a podcast by Tag Digital that aims to keep you up to date with the latest developments in event PPC marketing. I'm Jamie, a member of the paid search team here at Tag. And I'm Johnny, part of the paid social team. Together, we make up one of the many squads that work on the event PPC campaigns here at Tag Digital. In last week's episode, we ran through exhibitor promotions or XPROM campaigns. So no surprises on our topic this week, which is VizProm or visitor promotions campaigns. Jamie and I will break down all you need to know about visitor promotions, uh, including a few tips, tricks, and best practices. Ready to get started? Absolutely, let's get stuck in. The Tag Digital Squadcast. Now, I know we mentioned last week that the cost per acquisition or the CPA for VizProm campaigns tends to be a lot lower in comparison to XProm. However, when it comes to calculating a target CPA for a VizProm campaign, it can be slightly harder to predict for a number of reasons. Yeah, absolutely. So on the whole, we can safely predict that the CPA or the cost per acquisition, like you say, will probably be nine times out of 10 lower than that of XProm, like we mentioned last week. However, it's really important that we always consider whether the event that we're trying to obtain attendees for is uh, free to attend or not, or whether there's a kind of fee associated with purchasing a ticket. So as you can imagine, the higher the sum for a ticket, it then becomes a much more considered purchase for that user meaning that we might have to spend slightly more for each conversion that we achieve, um, which again results in an inflation with regards to our overall target cost per acquisition for the project. Now, I believe that this is a really important topic to discuss as it's often overlooked quite a bit. A lot of clients that we work with at first aren't aware that even though our overall goal strategy might be um, the same, so to generate visitor conversions, the overall strategy and approach will differ slightly depending on whether their event is free to attend or not. Yes, but on. So the higher CPA associated with paid registration events is often queried by our clients. You know, some of them will ask us, why is my CPA so high for this Visprom campaign when I've run campaigns in the past for another event and it was much lower? Um you know, and I always believe it's really important to actually apply that context to the scenario in order for it to make sense as to why we've projected a, a higher figure this time around, uh, for example. So as I touched upon earlier, if there's a cost associated with an event ticket, then a user will have to consider many more options. This could be, you know, their financial stability, whether they've got any kind of future commitments uh, financially or the kind of travel costs associated with actually attending the event plus the the actual uh, ticket price so before we act, that's before they actually start committing to the purchase itself they have to consider all those options however with that purchase comes a much higher probability of guaranteed attendance which is something that's not always um you know as high when you look at free to register events therefore you know if you flip it on its head free registration conversions are much easier to obtain but and therefore they're kind of cheaper on it on average as as a whole. However, you often find that the guaranteed attendance rate for these conversion types are a lot lower and you might then have to invest a bit more money 
um, at, towards the end of the campaign, for example, or invest a bit more money as a whole in order to generate a larger volume of conversions in order to kind of compensate for the fact that some of them might not ex actually show up to your event. Um, you can also like run some additional remarketing activities that also comes with an, an additional cost, uh, as you would imagine, just to make sure that you can re-engage re with these converted users uh, and encourage them to attend. But we'll touch upon this a bit later in the podcast because um, that's just kind of covers under one of the, the different types of campaigns that we can actually run. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is that Although Vizprom CPA can fluctuate quite drastically depending on whether it's free to attend or not, it's all relative to the context and the environment that we are operating in. Uh, so one key aspect of Vizprom campaigns, and I think we may have covered it briefly in the first episode that we put out, is the time frame of Vizprom campaigns. Yeah, and I think it's really key that we cover this actually. Um, so we generally say that a Vizprom campaign should run for 6 to 12 weeks um, and that's leading up to the event. Now this time period is obviously when we see the most registrations or ticket sales in the event space so it makes sense to run our paid activity when there is maximum engagement really with the event. Now 6 to 12 weeks is quite a broad time span so we often get asked what is the optimum number of weeks that we should run our Visprom campaign? And the answer to that really is it's always dependent on a couple of different factors, a, a couple of different things. So first, what is the budget? We need to make sure that we don't spread ourselves too thin when it comes to how much we can spend daily on each platform, because this means that the machine learning algorithms won't get enough data and when this happens, the campaign's performance really struggles to get going. Um, so that would be like the campaign budget optimization, for example, from a social side of things. Um, you need to get, I believe it's 50 conversions over the, the space of a week in order for that to really start optimizing and, and start to to get going and, and learning how the performance, uh, learning how the campaigns are going to be. So it's really important to make sure that our budget isn't spread too thin so we can give the campaigns enough data. Now, the second factor is the type of event that the campaign's for and whether the attendees are coming from the local area or they're coming from internationally, so they're coming from further afield. Now, let's say we were running ads for... Jamie, do you want to help me out here? Uh... How about music festivals? Yeah, perfect. Music festivals. If we're running a campaign for an event like Glastonbury or Coachella. Or Fire Festival. <laughs> or Fire Festival. Then we need to advertise for a longer period of time. Now, that's because these events attract people from all over the world, from loads of different countries. And this means that the consideration phase of the buying cycle is longer. So it may take a while for that person to take action whilst things like travel and accommodation are arranged. Now, this is where a 12-week campaign is much more suitable. That's completely different if you're running a local event. If a local band announced a show at just a venue in a city that was local to them, 
You could realistically run a shorter campaign, as you'd expect attendees to come just from that local area. And that's where a six-week paid campaign would be fine. That would be perfect for this scenario. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Um, so just a general rule of thumb, really. Longer Visprom campaigns for international events where attendees travel, and then shorter campaigns um, for more local events. Now, I noticed you said that the campaign is to run leading up to the event. Why is that? Yeah, that's exactly right. So when we spoke last week about the exhibitor campaigns, the Exprom campaigns, we mentioned that these finished weeks, months before an event takes place. Now with Visprom, we want to be getting attendees registered or tickets sold right up until the last moment possible. So this is why we advise running campaigns until at the very least the beginning of the event. Now, this end date may be different depending on whether the event is paid for or free. So if the event is paid for and takes place over a couple of days, we may want to end the campaigns on or before the first day of the event. So for example, if you have a conference that takes place over three days, there isn't much point running ads on the first and second day unless the attendees can buy a ticket for the final day itself. So if you can get certain day tickets for the event, if um, say if there's a big keynote on the on the final day that people can buy tickets for um, separately, maybe then that's fine. You can you can continue to run ads over the course of the the uh, event when the event's taking place. If it's something where you you can only really buy a conference pass and that covers the entire conference, then it doesn't make sense to carry on running ads all the way until the end. So we try and uh, spend the budget before the actual event begins. This is different, obviously, with free events, particularly with exhibitions in the space that we operate in, um, because that's where you're much more likely to have people registering while the event is still on, while it's taking place, and then just turning up for one day. And that's especially the case if the event is located in a business hub such as London, uh, New York, Dubai. The Tag Digital Squadcast. I think if we're looking at what makes Visprom campaigns different to any other campaign type that we work with, we can't ignore the fact that the spend curve is pretty unique, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. So with most other campaign types, the spend curve or the rate that we spend our budget throughout the campaign um, that tends to be quite consistent and flat throughout the duration of the campaign. However, with Visprom, we always want to reserve around 60% to 70% of the budget um, just so that can be spent in the last four to six weeks. Now, you know, this might sound strange or like a crazy idea, or like why would I be spending that much money in the, the last kind of four to six weeks of my campaign? That kind of four to six week period is when we expect to see the majority of the, the Visprom conversions coming in, meaning that we want to kind of make sure that we, we have the capacity within our budget to cope with that demand that we know is going to be there. So why do we know that's there? This is something that we study and monitor on quite a regular basis, and it's most definitely an industry-wide trend. You know, it's something we, we notice across every single kind of Visprom uh, event that we run there's always that massive peak at the end of people trying to buy their tickets at the last minute. It's just how humans behave in, in the kind of modern world. So it's crucial that we always consider like that like significant peak in demand 
that will that will occur. It definitely will occur um, within that kind of four to six week period, and project the spend curve accordingly, so that we aren't kind of cut short at the crucial point uh, within the campaign, and we're able to like maximise conversions as much as possible um, and get the best return possible for the budget provided. During our episode on Xprom, I mentioned my adoration or my, my love of lead gen campaigns. Now, whilst these work really well for Xprom, it's not something that we'd really recommend for Visprom. It's not something that we'd, we'd want to run for visitor promotions campaigns. Visitor registration forms are often a little bit longer um, and, and perhaps complex than an exhibitor inquiry form, as you need to take all of the information down at this point, as opposed to exhibitor promotions where um, the um, user would complete a form and then a member of the sales team might follow up with a call to, to discuss packages and things like that. Now, across both search and social, we almost always run campaigns optimised for website conversions for visitor promotions. This means that we're optimising for the conversion on either the event website or a registration or ticketing partner such as Eventbrite or an N200 form. That makes perfect sense. So aside from optimising for ticket purchases or registrations, what other campaigns might we run during the Visprom stage? Uh, yeah, so there's one other campaign type that we often run for free events uh, in particular, and that's a conversion campaign. Now, these are campaigns where we target people that have already registered for an event um, to remind them about the events taking place to start off with, because some people might um, register for a free event and then maybe it slips their mind, they get busy um, with their other tasks. Um, so the first point is to remind them about the event. The second is just to make sure that we encourage them to actually attend. So these campaigns can run for a couple of weeks or a month before the event, um, just in the in the lead up to it. So that's whilst the actual visitor promotions campaigns are still running and they do overlap, but they're not targeting the same audience. So it's not an issue. And it's just until before the event begins. And we found that these can really increase event attendance amongst the people that have registered quite dramatically really um, so they really are perfect for trying to to get the people that have registered for the event and, and pushing them to actually attend yeah and I think you touched upon obviously you said that we would always measure website conversions really for a standard Visprom campaign but I think I touched on this maybe in episode one a wee bit where we um for these campaign well these conversion campaigns obviously the users already converted on the websites but you can measure a secondary conversion or a softer conversion which might actually signify a bit more intent that they're actually going to attend your event so that can be um something like you if you've got an app for the event or you've got a brochure that they can download or a, a, a plan um, or an itinerary really of the event uh, itself you can um, track that as a conversion and that will also help um, when it comes to you know the machine-based learning and the smart bidding uh, measures that we use to you know if you assign that conversion to these um, conversion campaigns like Johnny said we can Google or Facebook can optimize towards those conversions uh, quite well and it means that um, you know 
the machine learning knows exactly what it's looking for. It's looking for people to who have already converted to then come and download your app. Um, so they'll target people who are most likely to do that. Um, so yeah, it's such a good um, way to to increase the likelihood of somebody actually attending your event if it's a free reg event, I would say. Yeah, for sure. And I think one thing, um, whilst we would optimize ideally for the website conversions, um, and this is from a social point of view now, um, because obviously that's the area that I work in, um, we we try our best to optimize for website conversions. It might be that on the page, um, on the say if you've got a travel page on the on the site or an accommodation page on the site, it might be that there's nothing that we can really track on there. It might just be um, some information and and that's it. That's fine. On social, what we can do is just optimize instead of optimizing for the conversions. We'll optimize for something called landing page views, um, which is very similar to if we optimize for something called link clicks. So if we optimize for link clicks, that is just um, optimizing for literally a click, somebody clicking on an ad and going off onto the the landing page. A landing page view is um, it shows a little bit more intent. So that's somebody clicking on the ad and going off onto the landing page, but then spending a little bit of time on the landing page. So we found that um, if we optimize for landing page views over link clicks, usually the traffic that we're getting from the ads that we're running across social is of higher intent and of better quality. Now, this is not always that important obviously with a conversion campaign because we're only targeting people that have already registered. Um, but we have found that it does help just add that little bit of intent, especially for events that have had um, thousands and thousands of registrations. So the more registrations that you've had, really there's there's a bigger bank of people within the, the set of people that have registered that um, would not be attending the event. So using landing page views in that's, that scenario is perfect. The Tag Digital Squadcast. So that brings us to the end of this week's installment of the Squadcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed learning all about Visprom campaigns, visitor promotions, and you've now got some key takeaways that you can implement when planning and developing your overall Visprom strategy going forward. Now, if you're looking for more events, PPC insight and updates, be sure to check out our last episode that was on XProm campaigns and subscribe to the pod as well so that you don't miss next week's episode. Now, Jamie, what do you fancy discussing next week? So that's a good question. I reckon probably given the current climate and everything that's going on in the world, it would probably be a good idea to discuss how we are responding as an industry with regards to coronavirus or COVID-19 and how there are numerous ways in which event planners can adapt or pivot their existing events marketing strategies in order to kind of remain visible and relevant within the market despite not really being able to promote any physical events for the foreseeable. Um, So yeah, lots and lots to talk about and definitely not one to miss out on. So like Johnny said, make sure you subscribe um, to the podcast so that you you don't miss out and you get all the latest updates. Yeah, definitely. There's so much to talk about. So I'm really looking forward to that already. 
Now remember, if you've got any questions about anything that Jamie or I have discussed, then feel free to drop us an email either at jamie at tagdigital.co.uk or johnny at tagdigital.co.uk. I should probably say as well, I spelled Johnny different to 99% of the world's population. So that's J-O-N-N-Y, no H's in my name. Um, or alternatively you can get in touch on our website so that's I don't know if you, if you need to say www anymore but that's tagdigital.co.uk um, so thanks very much for listening and we'll see you next week see you next week mate have a good one